to the ether today is wednesday july 27th 2022 today on the ether the eclipse pad ama hosted by orbital command let's take a listen what up dr Dascoin? how are you doing my man my main man edwin i'm very well sir yourself doing good man getting a little bit familiar with the new ui of this space i feel like it's changed oh really i've not seen it i've not i've not notice any changes myself what's 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 shifted well it didn't let me send a message saying that i was live it just automatically did it and then now at the bottom right there is a message like a like a message button that if you click on it you can see um that tweet that got automatically sent out and then the comments that are under that you have some lung burn yeah i said <laughs> i noticed that as soon as i jumped on it, it said something like lung burn to, you know, hashtag Mike Brown. I had a little chuckle. Um, well, good <laughs> on your Twitter. At least they're doing something right. I know that we uh, we were battling with these Twitter spaces for quite some time uh, during mid to late last year, and I know that we haven't had as many issues with dropouts lately. So I think they fixed something there, and of course they're improving the UI and UX as they go along. Much like our guests today, who are Eclipse Pad, who I can see have now been brought up as a speaker. How are you going there, guys? Not bad, not bad. Yeah. Wasn't sure whether to join with the uh, with with personal account as well and Eclipse, but uh, it's a bit of a logistical nightmare. So gonna gonna stick on this. Totally one. get you. I try I try to do the same thing sometimes with the OC account and my own one, and of course it's just sometimes it's a battle that's just not worth pursuing. <laughs> that's why I like to get Edwin to host these spaces, and I can just jump on separately, and it makes my life a hell of a lot easier. But um, how are we feeling today? Not bad, not bad. Let me just pop some uh, earphones in. We're going to make life a little easier. Sure. And to anyone that's listening at the moment, um, we are going to be talking with Eclipse Pad for the next probably 55 minutes to an hour today. Uh, just finding out what's going on on the Eclipse Pad front. All things exciting. Uh, any little bits of alpha that we might be able to glean today and get access to, then we'll certainly try and do that. And um, if you are enjoying the conversation, I certainly do encourage you to share this. Um, let people know that what you're listening to and then that way they can come in and, and join, in, join in on the conversation too and ask some questions and get the answers that we all want to know. So with that all being said, um, Simon, it is Simon I've got here, yeah? Just double checking. It is, it is yeah. Simon. It is Simon indeed. I thought I recognized the voice. Look, Simon, you and I have been chatting a little bit behind the scenes the last couple of weeks. Obviously, I know that you're very excited about everything that's happening with Eclipse Pad. Uh, on Juno, there's lots of uh, lots of parts of this conversation that we're going to get to. But I guess for the people that may be, you know, completely new to this, completely new to uh, yourself, quick introduction: who you are, what you're doing, um, and what is Lunar Launcher. So, what is Eclipse Pad rather? Not Lunar Launcher anymore. <laughs> Not Lunar Launcher anymore. Uh, so, a bit of background. Uh, you know, I, I'm part of the Loop team. 
uh, I, I'm responsible for uh, Loop Finance. So over at Loop, <laughs> I'm the I'm the one I'm the naughty naughty one responsible for Loop and for Loop Learn. Um, so I, I basically uh, joined uh, you know the Loop Finance team in October and um, you know worked with them and then over a period from you know January uh, through to March or April, um, well until the terror crash basically, um, built out Loop Learn, which is the learn to earn, uh, not learn to earn yet, but le learning education platform. Um, uh to to onboard new users into crypto that was like an awesome uh you know kind of job built like a ton of videos for that and um you know be working and growing out loop loop finance as well for that period of time um around around that time as well there was the opportunity to kind of come on to lunar launcher to uh to help build that which was a an ideo launch pad that was being built on terra it was kind of being stealth built uh you know the tech was been worked on for about eight or nine months um, but there wasn't really much promotional stuff that was kind of happening behind the scenes. Um, and, you know, I kind of came in and, and was like, uh, you know, what, what what's happening here? There's, you know, there's tech being built and we're like talking about launching, but there's, there's not many people know about it. So I kind of came in and, you know, kind of blitzed it hard um, and, and really hit it running. And then, um, yeah, and then the terror collapse happened. We, we, you know, we went to IDO and then, you know, the terror collapse happened literally like two days after IDO was meant to happen. So, we happily like uh, we we're lucky that we kind of put that off, and it ended up being a really strong silver lining because um, I, I personally didn't think we were ready to launch. Um, you know, I have a lot of thoughts about you know the, the where the community needs to be at, and 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 all this sort of stuff. Like I brought in a lot of people, but it um yeah, it, it, I don't think it was ready, right? Uh, and so that happened, and then you know there was there was a lot of like talk about where where things would go after that, you know, with, uh, with, you know, different protocols and, and things going on. And, uh, you know, we're, we're very close to loop. We actually are separate team to loop, even though I'm loop and there's a few members in common, it's actually a different protocol. So it's not part of the loop ecosystem, but we're very closely linked. And, um, you know, the loop went over to, um, went over to Juno and, um, you know, there's grants and things like that. So, you know, we kind of got included on that and, uh, it turned out to be kind of one of the best things that could happen. Um, and I'll touch on that in a second, but just to do with like the opportunity of there not being any um, IDEO launch pads on Cosmos and there's actually a demand and a need for it there too. So it's it's kind of really exciting. Yeah. Well, that's actually something I'd love to dig into a little bit more is the why, why Juno specifically? So obviously I know that there were some big decisions to be made. Everyone had big decisions to make after the Terra collapse. And so... You know, we were having close conversations with multiple protocols. Obviously, we were involved in organizing the TerraDAP Expo. And so, you know, we were already having conversations with all the DAPs that were attending that event. Uh, yourselves being, you were going to be the main sponsor, actually. Loop Ventures and Loop Finance were. And so, you know, lots of DAPs that we were talking to were deliberating and considering, okay, well, where do we go to next? And some went to Terra2, some have gone to Polygon, uh, some have gone to Juno. Why, why Juno for you? Why did that make the most sense for you guys? Well, so, you know, obviously um, with Eclipse, so it was really not sure. We did follow a lot of other Terra DAPs, but it's the thing that is incredible about Juno and, and you know, Juno is an interesting one because it, it's been kind of a hard ecosystem to get onto in terms of like a user adoption, except until today, they actually just listed on Kraken. So that's going to make life a lot easier for that. Um, but basically, the community is everything uh, on Juno. It has a very, very strong 
a very passionate and a very engaged community, which are, is the base block of any protocol or any um, you know crypto platform or any kind of thing that you're looking to build or vision you're looking to build is to have a strong base and a strong community that's engaged, that's active, that will tell you uh, and, and you know that will um, won't be afraid to call you out um, if things aren't on track. Or, or things aren't going the right way. And I think that's super important. And when you build that base, I think that gives you that really incredible ability to grow from that, you know? So I think that made a lot of sense. And, you know, it was, you know, overlooking a few of the things that had happened on Juno in the past. And, um, you know, also the, the fact that it was really hard to get into Juno because that, all that stuff can be built. If you have that really strong, passionate community to core, which is kind of what Terra was like in the earlier days, everything else can be built on top and it can be really, um, you know, great, um, positioning for, for growth. And, you know, both Eclipse and Loop plan to be multi-chain, plan to grow out. Um, Eclipse's main focus is going to be on the Cosmos, um, but plans to kind of be on other Cosmos chains and other, and other things. So, um, but the Juno is a great starting spot and it's a great place to kind of engage with the community. So I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, that was certainly something that uh, Terra had in its favor in the early days was just this amazingly strong community. And one of the things that I've, you know, I do pay attention to other chains and what's going on just across the space in general. And I can see Juno does have a very fervent, uh, you know, community that is that is vocal and that seems to be like very almost evangelical at times. And so the fact that, you know, the beautiful thing about being built on the Cosmos SDK is, is just the interoperability and everything is is compatible with everything else that is part of that ecosystem. And so it is a great starting point. I, I actually really agree with you here. I think it's a great starting point because once you get the community on board <clears throat> and once that gets traction, it's kind of this uh, positive feedback loop that gets created. And then, of course, they, they tell people, more people use it. They tell people, more people use it. And then when you start branching across the ecosystem, it just sort of uh, makes for that proliferation to be much more uh, seamless. So... I think, um, yeah, I definitely think you're onto something here. Now, for anyone, just to just to kind of bring everyone up to speed, and I know that everyone's at different levels when it comes to their knowing um, of blockchain technology and their adoption of it. Let's just do a quick Eli five. Let's do a quick explain it to me like I'm five. Like, what is uh, an IDEO launcher? Like, you know, what's the purpose of it? Why why would we even want it? Why do we, you know, why do we need these in the space? Yeah, well, they so. Idea launchers play a couple of different roles and they're not all created equal, right? You you have idea launchers that are great and you have idea launchers that aren't great. Kind of like you've got, you know, DeFi protocols that are great and those that aren't great. There's those that are focused more long-term and those that are more focused on the short-term. Launchers are quite important to the space. And the reason for this is that typically they often act as a really strong marketing platform. So that is kind of, if you stripped everything else away and you kind of went to their core fundamental thing, IDEO Launchpads are really a, a marketing platform for projects. It's it's a, an ability for projects to, um, you know, bootstrap their initial kiss, uh, customer base. Kind of similar to like how Airdrops currently Airdrop in Cosmo, um, Airdrops currently operating Cosmos, but kind of on a on a slightly different scale, which is where there's a you know a huge engaged community and there's projects that are like launching and they're looking for. Uh, you know, early investors and they're looking for support and um, and exposure. But then there's a couple piece, there's pieces to it. There's, um, you know, the ability to raise funds for, for projects that are building, uh, especially coming into launch. That piece is really important as, as uh, it is actually really important for projects to have uh, cash and runway and all this sort of stuff. So they're a great 
method for projects to raise funds. Uh, as well as, you know, sometimes they need even funds for like seeding their liquidity pool and all this sort of stuff. So IDEO Launchpads um, act as, uh, you know, marketing platforms, they act as fundraising platforms. They're also a really cool, um, a really good, uh, th- there's two other really powerful use cases for these these Launchpads. Is one of them is it really help, a good Launchpad helps to kind of connect um, buyers and investors with good projects. So let's say that you're you're an investor in the space and you're really interested in getting into what's the next wave like you want to get into you know what is the next innovative products coming up what is the what is the next um you, you know platforms that we think are going to do well maybe l1s all this sort of stuff and you maybe don't know either where to look or you have you know there's a lot of projects around and it's really hard to kind of gauge their their quality and and all this sort of stuff. So if you have a really good idea launchpad that vets their projects very well, it's usually a good matchmaking between good projects and community where projects come on, solid projects come on, and they know they're going to have, uh, you know, good quality community and good buyers. And the investors also know that there's going to be decent projects come on, especially based on like past projects that have launched. So it's kind of a cool matchmaking service for for this. The, the other piece, uh, the other really important piece that is kind of less talked about behind the scenes is that it acts as a really good gauge for community sentiment for both project founders and VCs. So if, you know, there may be a certain like number of projects that are launching and you will get a lot of people that are watching um, what's being launched and the kind of projects that are being launched, the kind of things that people are interested in. Um, and that's a really important piece too, is kind of this, it's a little bit of this data collection and gauge from, you know, founders and yeah, and investors and stuff about what people kind of interested in as well. So that, that that's an important piece of it too. Yeah, I like that last part that you just added in there because whenever I think of audios, I kind of have a, a triangle in my head. I'm like, yeah, it's part marketing, it's part fundraising, and it's part you know investment, early investment uh, opportunity for the buyers. But the community, you know, gauging community sentiment, I, I think is such a a key component that's probably often overlooked. And this is. You know, we're looking at metrics all the time. We're looking at social metrics. We're, we're looking at like hard numbers and hard data to figure out, okay, well, w- where is the attention going? Because you know, we know that we understand that where the attention goes, um, that's that's where the areas of growth tend to be. And so, um, you know, for any people that may be listening to this now or in the future or at any point, if you are starting a project, um, the, you know, an idea launcher such as um, Eclipsepad here is something that could definitely worth uh, looking into. Now, I do know that last time I chatted with uh, someone from your team, it was Maz actually, and we were talking, it was more specifically about, uh, actually, no, that conversation was about Lunar Launcher and we we're talking about, you know, the other ventures of Loop. So, you've got Loop Ventures, you've got the Loop Dex, the Loop Community, which at that point was probably about 165,000 strong. Um, you know, I think, I believe it was at that point in time, the largest uh, community within Terra specifically. So it's, I think you're in a fantastic position where you've got access to a large audience already. Um, I guess it's just a, a case of building that awareness now. Like, okay, cool. We have this you know, sort of side product, this side service um, and being, being able to kind of, uh, what's the word I'm trying to find here? Just, just bring people's attention to that and their awareness to that. Um, and so, you know, with that being said, there are IDOs on different chains. You said there seemed to be a little bit of a gap in the market in the Cosmos ecosystem. Why do you think that was the case? And you know, what for, for your um, for your specific product? 
what's its you know unique selling proposition? What's its point of difference from any other um, IDO launches that may be around in the ecosystem? Yeah, so so touch on our first point just around community and stuff. Um, you know, we are still separate from Loop in general as far as a product, but we're obviously going to be closely partnered with the Dex and FD and community there. So it gives you a lot of kind of a uh, great kind of advantage to be tapped into that as well. Um, but as well as that, we plan on really working on building a very strong community focused pattern, you know, bringing on some really cool people, you know, chatting to, to you know, very close to Super Terra and, you know, potentially coming on as going to head up the community side and just kind of build out, um, you know, like a really, really strong kind of NFT type community um, of really engaged users that are kind of part of that. So that, that's really, really exciting. Um, so to touch on uh, the gap in the market, um, for Cosmos. So Cosmos hasn't really had an IDEO, IDEO launch pad because if you understand kind of the way that Cosmos is and the way it's been set up, culturally, it's been quite different to, to a lot of other ecosystems. Um, it, it, it's had a lot less focus on on uh, like wider user adoption and retail adoption and more so on, you know, really good developers. It, you know, had some really just really good developers that build really good tech, uh, and but they may not have the same level of like, in the past, at least UI UX and, um, you know, there hasn't been very many VCs and, and that's been a, like a brilliant thing. Don't get me wrong. But now that the cosmos is sort of getting to a point, um, of inflection and growth where user adoption becomes important. Like we having, I think I, I've got a list There's over, you know, 70, 80, um, protocols looking to launch in the next couple of weeks, months. And that's just across a couple of chains that I've scouted. So there's a big there's a big kind of wave of protocols and chains and everything coming into Cosmos. And it kind of hits a point where new users need to come in. And you do get new users from other ecosystems. You get new pr protocols launching. And it becomes a lot harder to do like the traditional airdrop models that have kind of been run on Cosmos up to now, which is about bootstrapping adoption, which is a, you know, uh, a, a protocol of, of devs kind of come in and, and you know, they, they launch their token and they airdrop it to, um, you know, different communities and stakers and then they gain attention and use case for, for that. When you've got 50 protocols launching at once, that becomes a lot harder. You've actually got to get more uh, strategic and targeted with your airdrops um, to gain the attention. Uh, it can also lead to, to, to dumping as well because, you know, if you're getting 50 airdrops in one go, um, you're going to keep the best ones and and um, kind of dump the rest. So th that becomes a little bit harder to launch in that. And and the second piece is that if you want to gain user adoption for your protocol, you really do need to um, you do really need to raise funds. And it, it's fine if you're building a you know a, a code part time or all this sort of stuff. But if you're really looking to grow up marketing and expand your protocol to a larger level, you really do need funding and you do need uh, to raise funds. So that's when IDEO Launchpad starts to become really useful for this. And I think now we're kind of at that inflection point where um, Cosmos is getting enough kind of wider adoption uh, that it makes sense to have a, an IDEO Launchpad. And um, I'm, I'm kind of really excited to be first to market for that and to, to, to really um, help with, with, you know, raising funds for the Cosmos and, and building exposure. Um, but also building exposure of getting attention from outside of the cosmos, right? So bringing in projects and users from outside the cosmos are going to be key. Um, I think a lot of projects in other ecosystems are, are much less likely to to um, launch their token as a airdrop, um, that, especially if they've been they've got a different uh, perspective of them. Like if you've got a project that's looking to build on Polygon, for example, um, they're probably a lot less likely to want to launch their project as an airdrop. Uh, and so if there is no idea launch pad, where, where can they really launch, right? So that's interesting. Um, to touch on your unique selling proposition, uh, there's, there's quite a couple. Uh, there's quite a couple of them, but 
like from a high level, um, the big one that I look at is uh, sustainability, right? So everything that I've kind of always focused on myself uh, has been about like, how can we create sustainable DeFi and sustainable protocols that generate revenue, but also um, focus like really long-term on long-term growth and success, not just like, okay, we're in it for six months and out. A lot of launchpad models out there have have kind of built, you know, tier structures and they've built in kind of mechanisms that don't really think about that long term. They don't really uh, consider uh, maybe the community, always consider community and, and, and the long term growth of the token and the platform. Um, so really looking to come in and bring in uh, like a, t- a tier system. And this will come in tier t- v- V2, which focuses more on, on kind of long term loyalty and social engagement as a method of rewarding users to get into IDOs. Cause I just, without like rambling on too much, just, just one of the, one of the main things about IDOs is they typically have tier systems to, um, to kind of gauge who gets into the IDO and who doesn't. Cause you oftentimes get, you know, you might only have $500,000 to, to be invested and you may have like a ton of people and there's too many for the IDO. So you kind of got to gauge who gets into the IDO and who doesn't. And, and a lot of, a lot of ones, Tend to end up favoring favoring whales, right? They have tier systems that are based on you know um, how much money you have, and they they favor whales. So we really want to build at that model. So we're we're um, we're more like rewarding kind of maybe long term stakers or long term like engaged users over just that model. Um, so that's one piece. Uh, second piece is uh, building an accelerator alongside uh, alongside the uh, pad, which uh, the accelerator will really work on as like a marketing accelerator, right? So. The idea is that you know these these platforms out there that have really good code, and um, you know they may have like really good tech and really good code, but their branding and their positioning and all this sort of stuff maybe isn't there to put them in as like a tier A project. So the idea is to kind of bring these projects in, help them get funding, help them with their revenue model, their tokenomics. Um, and, and I'm actually talking. I've been talking to Trev actually. He, he brought a really good idea. It's really helping them with their leadership side, which is really important, um, which is like helping to potentially build the team to kind of be set up um, to, to, to succeed over the long term. Um, and then really helping them with their marketing and tapping them into the pad so that they're actually ready to launch. And when they come into the pad, you know, they're set up for success, right? They set up all the things that maybe they're not as strong on. So that's kind of going to be really important, having that accelerator. We're going to have uh, like a DAO council as well for vetting projects. So it's going to be like a, a DAO council that's made up of, uh, you know, some team members and also some in, uh, like very uh, like experienced people in the community and leaders in the community um, to, to vet these projects coming onto the pads to make sure that we only have uh, very good projects and we, uh, we don't get rugs uh, come through. And um, there's so much I could drop, but one of the big ones that I'm excited about uh, and still working out how to do this is actually to uh, build a rewards pool for the community and stakers, which is accumulating a small token allocation of each project that launches. And this could be done through the through the accelerator itself um, or like even a small marketing allocation. And this would then be used to generate yield and then reward uh, long-term stakers. So the idea is that if the launch pad launches 40 successful projects um, or 40 or 50 successful projects that do well or even a few successful projects, that the people that the community that hold the token and that are kind of committed to that actually benefit long-term from the value of that, right? So that's that's a really important piece that I, that I see. That was yeah. a long ramble. No, that was a, that was a great ramble. I actually love when you get on your, your on your little rants there. It's, um, it's always very illuminating. The That last part I think is super key for sustainability and long-term um, 
you know, longevity of users because it's, it's kind of like, it reminds me a little bit of the PRISM protocol model. Like the, you're kind of rewarded more for the longer that you're part of it. And so if you're getting rewarded in, in every project, individual tokens for being, you know, a loyal staker, then of course it makes, it makes sense not to be a, uh, you know, a, a dumper, so to speak. And so I think that is a really cool, that's a really cool piece. Um, I'm just trying to rem- rem- remember all of the things that you said then, because there were so many little bits. You know, you're talking about bringing on people from outside of the ecosystem. You know, how do you bring on board people from, you know, Polygon and things of that nature or projects rather? And so it's like, well, what, you know, what do you see are the, the vehicles to cross that chasm? Well, the most important one that people don't really think about too much in crypto is actually narrative, right? Um, I, uh, this is like more of a, like a high level thing, but narratives is, is everything in crypto, right? Um, n- like things grow and, and bust on narratives. And, uh, I think we're in a perfect place for, for strong narratives around cosmos right now. So we're in a really strong position to really be able to show and to expand out the fact that the cosmos is growing. And it's one of these upcoming ecosystems that is, um, getting a lot of attention and it's getting a lot of people moving over. So building out these narratives and spreading out these narratives are really going to have a strong impact in terms of like um, building out. And even as a marketing tool from the pad perspective, like really taking the, the, the track that the cosmos is growing and, you know, there's a lot of really cool projects launching and this is an opportunity to kind of get in, um, you know, before the before the ecosystem is, is fully fledged. And it kind of happened like this with Terra a little bit. It's like the early adopter thing. Um, and, and I think we're going to kind of have that effect for cosmos very soon and we're starting to. So that's that's really important. I think um, in terms of kind of getting outside attention, it's going to really come down to kind of marketing, collaboration with other communities, um, you know, even even potentially launching our idea on other pads, if that's even potential. We're talk, talking with a couple, but I know that they don't, none of them even have Kepler integration or Cosmos integration, which makes it a little bit harder. Um, and then uh, looking at potentially strategic airdrops, but not 100% on that yet. Uh, that's still kind of being talked about internally. Just, a few members that aren't the biggest fan of airdrops from a legal perspective as well. So um, just kind of being uh, smart about that piece. But uh, yeah, like it's really going to be like uh, partnership connections and bringing in a strong community. Um, one of the biggest things that I see is, is having a very strong team around marketing and, and community building that can really uh, both help to maintain the narratives, help to spread the word, but also once we bring people in, how do we have them sticking and, and, becoming a really part of a strong family that's going to be really important so yeah yeah okay well that's I, there's i'll say one thing which will seem un, maybe somewhat unrelated but it was a very visual picture i had in my mind as you were talking about the building out of you know uh the cosmos ecosystem and you know using narrative to bring people over to this space you know i i was imagining it being like an archipelago i, I feel like cosmos is just all these amazing little islands that you know when uh, looked zoomed out and looked at overall. It makes you know a phenomenal country. So it might be something like Indonesia or Thailand. Uh, not Thailand. What's, the, what's another archipelago? Let's just go to Indonesia, biggest archipelago in the world, as far as I know. Could be completely wrong on that, but let's just say yes for the second, for the sake of this example. Um, the the thing with the Cosmos ecosystems, individual islands, is the stickiness. There is attraction. Um, you know, I did see a chart yesterday which was saying osmosis over the past few months has had more uh, sustained user activity than basically every other chain, like including Ethereum. And this is like, I guess, relative to the amount of people, the amount of people that are already using it, how active they are on that chain. 
osmosis was leading the charge. And so I think um, that there's something to be said for that. I'm, you know, I'm not exactly sure what. I just think that it's a very, um, you know, it's a positive sign. If we're, if we're trying to sort of map out what the, where the future of this space is going, I think seeing that in a bear market when everything seems to be, you know, at, at, a, uh, at, at great peril, <laughs> we, there's still this uh, really core group of people who are, you know, keeping it, fanning the flames, keeping it alive. And when you talked about it before, you said uh, you dropped Trevor's name, Trevor from Tix, yeah? Yeah, we're just chatting behind the scenes. We've been chatting the last two days. We've got some pretty good ideas around, mainly around leadership development, to be honest with you. Like we, we're both very deep thinkers who talk about like the importance of leadership in protocols and think that that's actually an important piece to kind of unlock as well. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how all that unfolds. And I think, I think you're definitely onto something there. You did touch on partnerships and you did touch on um, some integrations. Are you able to offer any alpha on potential partnerships in the works, any integrations that are happening? I believe something's occurred just recently with Falcon Wallet as well. Yeah, so Cosmos Station, Falcon Wallet, uh, talking to Cardo, talking to Leap um, for integrations. Uh, there's some actually really cool integrations even with Falcon Wallet. Um, I think they're building like a really cool UI and they want like a cool mobile wallet and they want to integrate us into that. Um, I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around how that works. That's really cool. Cardo is going to be really cool because it's going to enable for uh, working on um, behind the scenes on how can we create like, you know, one click IDOs or one click um, uh, like onboarding um, into the token. So you could literally like, or not one click, but you could go through Cardo and literally buy the Eclipse token straight away or, go through Cardo and, and participate in an IDO straight away from your bank. Um, I'm, th- I'm working on other methods in which we can kind of onboard from other ecosystems easily as well. So yeah, I don't know, I'm still talking with um, some behind the scenes on potentially, um, you know, MetaMask or something in a, a way in which we can kind of get users from other ecosystems really, really easily um, over. Um, a couple of the integrations that I've been talking to, I don't know if I want to name drop this, but there's a potentially uh, some money markets behind the scenes. And this is a bit of alpha uh, looking on the roadmap. There's plans to build in leverage IDOs in the future. Um, so the idea is kind of integrate a money market behind the scenes so that users could actually potentially just take their Juno position uh, and they're staking Juno position, their Juno, like uh, they're staking anyway and borrow against it um, and participate in an IDO um, without actually costing them anything. Obviously, like, again, we know how leverage went on Luna, but it, it could open up a whole bunch of possibilities and things with that too. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that is very cool. Actually, this is um, I love this. I love this conversation. This is um, I was just looking through the I was looking at the time very quickly. So just to put the feelers out, if anyone's got any questions that are brewing, if you're listening to this and you've got something that's percolating, ruminating in your mind, and you say you're thinking, you know what, I would like to uh, ask this, just put your hand up, um, and we'll we'll bring up some questions. In the meantime, I'll keep chipping away because I've got quite a few here that I've I've set aside, but um. You, we've got the obviously you just dropped a bunch of the integrations that are coming through Cardo. It's great to see these names still uh, kicking about and that they're you know finding ways to pivot despite what happened a few months ago. Um, but the NFTs, you said something about NFTs earlier. I know that there's like links with uh, with Loop and that still. How will NFTs play into this space with EclipsePad? Yeah, NFTs is going to be really cool on EclipsePad. Um, so actually. We're using the NFT marketplace and integration behind the scenes so that we can actually make uh, users' vested positions tradable. So I'm still working on this model again, um, going back and forth with a couple of advisors on this around, you know, what 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 are kind of the, some of the effects that this will have. 
Um, but the idea is that like we could um, users could participate in an IDO. Imagine there's a platform that launches and like a like a, a chain or, or protocol, and um, users get six month like a six month six month vesting period, right? Um, so what you could do is, you know, a, a protocol could choose to distribute as an NFT instead of uh, like a contract vesting position. And this would enable users to actually trade their, their vested position with the to tokens attached. So let's just say that I want to, um, you know, I've got a six month vest, but I, I need cash now and I want to sell out of my position. So a user could then list that NFT on the unstake that NFT and then list that on a secondary market. And, you know, it, obviously at a, re at a reduction, similar to kind of like an OTC deal. And that NFT would then be sold with the rest of the remaining tokens attached to someone who wants to sweep the floor for that. So you could also buy OTC NFTs that are vested. Imagine you want to kind of get in at a cheaper price. You could buy that NFT at a kind of um, with its vesting period attached and then just collect the tokens. It also enables you to change wallets easily if you want, right? Like if you've got a, if you've got, uh, you're like, okay, my, my vesting contract's on this wallet, but I want to use a different wallet on the ledger, for example, it enables you to kind of like easily transfer that as well as that it, it enables revenue um, too. So for the protocol, like we could set some royalties on those NFTs, which is kind of like the cost of, of getting, like getting out of your vested positions early. And those, um, you know, obviously those royalties can then go back to potentially part, partly the project and partly like a rewards pool for the community, for example. So some pretty cool things we can do with it. There's another utility for NFTs that I'm looking into and still kind of working out the mechanics as I work through the white paper, this is kind of a more of a long-term plan and, and a long-term V2, which is to give users the ability to burn their tokens into an NFT or not burn their tokens, to lock their tokens into a permanent NFT. And that would be like the ultimate tier, right? Like, so they'd, they'd take a staking position, they'd lock that into an NFT. That would take these tokens out of circulations, but that NFT would be like the long-term, that would be like the ultimate sign of long-term loyalty, right? And it would give you a whole bunch of benefits um, in terms of like higher higher chances to get into tiers and potentially an earlier IDO, potentially an earlier IDO round, all this sort of stuff. So still working out that model, but there's some cool stuff that we can do with NFTs for sure. I just realized my mic was not on. Has that has that model been done before? Is this or is this something that you've uh, conceptualized? Because that's a very unique idea. I haven't come across it myself. It's ne not that I've seen. Never been done that I've seen. Um, which is the reason why the model takes a lot of fleshing out, fleshing out, um, mm. because you can't. You got like it's called experiment, but you've got to kind of be smart with it and make sure that you you um, look at it from all angles and break the model and and figure out like what could go wrong with this and um, that's part of innovation, right? Like it's it's figuring out what what are the flaws in in particular mechanics and and stuff like that. And even with even with vested IDO positions, I'm looking at that as well and and looking to break that model and go what what is the like what are the downsides of using this? What are some potential things that can go wrong? Um, and like kind of just yeah, and analyzing it so that we can kind of have have the best like traction. Yes, to be to be clear, this would be a feature that would be available to any uh, project launching in theory in the V two in future. If this all plays out the way it's playing out in your uh, mad scientist mind, would this be available to any project that would choose to launch on uh, Eclipse Pad? Which one, the vested NFTs or the long term yeah. holding NFTs? Yeah. The long term, yeah. Uh, the long term, yes. The the locking tokens in NFT. Correct. So yep. far, that's so far that's just for the clips. To be honest, um, that's potentially something that could be expanded out. The idea for that is more about like tier benefits. So, 
um, let's just say that, you know, I've got, you know, $1,000 of Eclipse or $500 of Eclipse um, and I'm staked for 18 months um, or I'm still, I'm still working out the V2. That's the V2 model, right? Around like mm-hmm. tiers and, and long-term staking. And I'm like, I, I want to participate in IDOs and I want the ability to participate in IDOs. I'm staking, I'm getting, um, you know, benefits from each project that is launching on the, on the, on the pad, um, et cetera. And uh, then I decide that, you know, there's more benefits for me to lock this into an NFT and I think, and I know that I'm going to get more value from having it as an NFT than I am just having the, the the liquid position, right? So you lock it in an NFT, you get better benefits of getting into IDOs, you get maybe better staking rewards from the pool, um, and but that still becomes tradable. That NFT, you can still sell that NFT in the future. So um, the idea is kind of like the ultimate loyalty badge, right? The ultimate kind of tier that takes tokens out of circulation. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how that would apply to other protocols, but it, it's kind of cool. It, it could it could apply to models like Prism. Imagine that you've got a like a like an amps model, right? Um, and you know, Prism, you're collecting your amps. Maybe Prism can turn around and go, "Hey, are you do you want to not like have to click every single day? Lock your staking position to a long term to an NFT, and we'll give you the amps automatically without you having to click the button every single day." Um, which kind of is like a trade. It's like a big kind of game of trade-off, right? It's like, uh, you know, you're, you're taking the ultimate sacrifice um, and so you don't have to take this action anymore, if that makes sense. So it's kind of playing around with that a little bit. Makes complete sense. Awesome. So with that being said, you've obviously mentioned uh, there'll be Eclipse tokens. And from what I can see, there was a bit of a, a poll that was conducted about whether it would be called Eclipse or EPAD. Do we end up getting confirmation on which one it's gone with? It's gone with a clip. It's gone with a clip. Okay. EPAD, EPAD was great. Um, and, and the community voted for a clip anyway. EPAD was great, but it, it, it kind of boxed us with certain flexibility um, because there's plans for the pad to expand in the future uh, past just being a pad. Like it still be a lot around launching, but um, pad kind of bottles us into being a, just a pad um, But if the token's called EPAD, whereas we plan to be so much more than just that. So. Gotcha. So you're thinking, thinking a couple of steps here. When it comes to the Eclip IDO, do we have uh, tentative dates? Do we know when people are going to be able to get access to this token? We don't yet. So the tech's actually built. So the tech was built for Lunar Launcher for V1 model at least. Um, the, the I've been playing around with Testnet and that is looking great on Testnet. We are doing a reskin. So you might have seen some cool screenshots of some awesome uh, UI, UX coming um so we've been doing a reskin so that that's a work in progress the main thing that would delay the launch this delaying the launch or keeping it tentative is firstly market conditions uh and secondly uh we want to take time to build out the community in a very strong way before we start running launches um so from the um market condition side like idea launch pads you want to be quite strategic um with launches uh, if projects are launching in a really bad market, they may not be able to raise as easily and it's not not great. I mean, obviously we may be in a bear for a long time, so there's going to be launches that come, but this kind of gives time to um, focus on really building out the community in a strong way um, so that we can have that. As well as like looking at, well, what, what, are the, what are the pieces of a successful protocol, which a lot of projects don't fully focus on, but I'm really focused on bringing that to, bringing that to the front, which is, making sure that we've got a really, really strong team of, in, of people for the community, for marketing, for design, for everything, so that um, the community expands in a really rapid rate. 
Fantastic. And you did touch on the UI UX. I have seen the screenshots. I saw them in the Telegram group um, for people that aren't familiar with Eclipse yet. You can jump onto their Twitter at the top of the page. There is a link to the Telegram. Definitely jump in there if you want to get a little bit of alpha. Speaking of the alpha, there is some um, screenshots of the UI UX. For those who can't see it with their own eyes and haven't uh, yet had an experience with it uh, to use, what can people ex- uh, expect from the UI and UX? The juiciest UI UX they've ever seen. That's 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 the thing. It's it's nice. I'm I'm a I'm a stickler for design. Like I absolutely love design, which frustrates the hell out of me sometimes, especially around finding like good designers to do like social media, <laughs> social media work and graphics and templates. I'm very very picky. With that stuff but we've got a very very good ui ux designer and um so the reskin is looking absolutely uh like phenomenal um and from a ux perspective it's going to be all about like really thinking about the user flow and easy uh really easy access so integrating cardo where we can um you're using loop uh, finance in the background for like one click farming just making the experience like really seamless and easy for users to to do uh, and then the UI is just going to be like beautiful to look at. It's just going to be a pleasure to use. That's fantastic. I'm looking forward to it myself personally. I've got questions. I've got questions about your revenue generation model. So for you as a business, obviously, you know this is a project that brings value to a chain. But you, you know you are also running a business. How does the revenue generation model work specifically for Eclipse? Yeah. So with audio launchpads, just typically like a couple of things like. Often, um, one of the main ones in this kind of the way that we're, we're going is, is with launches is uh, having a, a, like a, a variance range uh, percentage fee of, of kind of a cut on a raise. So uh, it's typically, I think we're, we're sitting around four to 7% um, of the raise uh, for projects. So that's a way of kind of getting cash in um, to help with any kind of logistics and marketing and anything like that. Um, but then we also have the accelerator model as well, which is like a big part of this, um, which is around... Uh, bringing in, uh, you know, projects, and that's typically done through kind of token allocations, if you like. So um, it, it's kind of bringing projects in to help with the, you know, the and helping them with the, obviously the marketing and um, and the raises and the launches and stuff. Um, so there'll be some kind of long term revenue from st- that standpoint. Um, but it, we're also kind of working to see as we grow a certain size whether the pad itself has a, its own small. Uh, allocation amount as well um, for marketing costs and stuff like that. So it's still something that's being worked on behind the scenes, but typically um, ongoing revenue comes from, uh, from yeah, a percentage of raises, um, but also, you know, I'm behind the scenes talking with VCs and um, and uh, about to start like a, a fundraise to build enough uh, kind of uh, runway to kind of have funding for, for, for a good period of time as well. Got it. Makes complete sense. And regarding the um, accelerator with the marketing and the leadership, do you have, um, just for anyone that might be listening that might have some skills, do you have any spots uh, on your team that you're looking for work? Do you need any assistance? Is there anything, you know, is there any way that we can help you find people uh, that are a good fit for your team? For the accelerator side, for now, we're pretty good. We've got some really, really, really strong uh, advisors and team members that will be involved in the accelerator. Uh, we'll also be partnered up with Loop Ventures side as well. Um, so we'll kind of be able to lean on on some things for that. But we've got some in, like absolutely insane uh, advisors from both crypto and trad, which is like uh, a blessing. Like uh, users with a lot of a lot of business experience, investment experience, um, you know, a lot of l- l- users with launchpad experience, but also like trad trad users that have uh, you know built you know 
10 figure businesses. So um, like that, that really helps to kind of have that experience and excitement behind the scenes of, of users that have done this on a much higher scale than almost anyone that has uh, done it in crypto that are able to kind of talk to a lot of things that maybe aren't talked about in building successful crypto projects as much. Um, so having that experience behind the scenes is going to be useful. As far as talent and stuff, I did, um, I did, you might've seen, I have put some stuff up um, on my personal page. Um, that is just getting some feelers out there. There's a couple of uh, roles that kind of I'm looking for, but I'm looking for, you know, for being quite selective and looking for the right people. I think that's really important. One of them is like bringing on a really, really strong CMO um, because, you know, I think in crypto, there's a difference between uh, crypto CMOs and, and traditional market C CMOs. And CMOs at a high level is not just a marketing person. It's someone with quite a lot of leadership that's able to um, kind of run the strategies at a high level, but manage the team and manage that arm, um, which is super important. Like get data, figure out the you know the customers. I'm also looking for a really good graphic designer. It's, it's one of the things that does uh, my head in more than anything. It's um, <laughs> struggling to find good, like a really good, designer with initiatives. So they're the two main ones. There's a couple other roles I've been getting a lot of reach out uh, around like content creators, like content copywriters um, and, and uh, just normal marketers and stuff. So there's a couple of roles, getting a lot of kind of people reach out, but also like kind of um, seeing what flows and finding the passionate people that uh, want to be part of the long-term vision, especially as you know, we're not, we, we haven't raised yet. So it's like, it's this kind of funny juggle between building everything out at the same time and um, bringing people in that are excited. So there you have it, people. If you are a marketer, if you are a graphic designer, if you have some skills in that department, um, there may be something there that is worth pursuing. Uh, would they reach out to you? How, how would they get in contact with you to do so? Yeah, just reach out to me personally or Eclipse Pad uh, as a pad. Um, if, if it's from the community side, I know that uh, Super Terrorist kind of putting together um, like community arm, maybe like volunteer mods or, or we've got a couple of awesome, awesome guys like uh, the Woken Carl. Uh, he's he's here on here too. Um, so yeah, just reach out to from a community side. Reach out to Super Terra. Like it's a little bit tough. Like we ca obviously can't you know take everybody, and we have to kind of vet that out. But you know we're we're really excited to bring people on and to to make this as community focused as possible. Uh, super excited. Love that. Now what I'll do is I will open up the space. We've got another sort of you know thirteen minutes on the clock here that we've uh, allocated for this call. So I've got a question by the looks of it from a. Big man. So I'll bring big man up. We'll see what big man's got to say. I'll just go as a speaker. And so, big man, when you're ready, go for it, mate. Just want to make sure that uh, we stay on topic and ask questions for Eclipse Pad here. Indeed. Hey. Go ahead, big man. You got the. Yeah, sorry. Uh, joined me uh, about halfway through there, so I wasn't certain if I had the floor yet. But um, hey, guys, just wanted to say hi and pop in. Um, it's really exciting to hear. Uh, our relaunching again. Um, I just had a couple questions for for Simon. I'm curious. I uh, mentioned a little bit about going uh, cross chain and also reaching out with folks that are more tradfi. I'm wondering, kind of who who's the target audience for uh, or the businesses or the different startups that you are more reaching for um, to start launching or partnering with? Yeah, good question. And uh, awesome to meet you in uh, Austin, uh, big man. That was a fun time. Uh, yeah, so we're getting, we're getting quite a, like a lot of uh, projects kind of reach out. Um, uh, we're actually working behind the scenes, figuring out if there is a specific niche that we really want to focus on in terms of, um, the types of projects launching, um, not, not non-quality, but like in terms of certain areas, 
I really definitely am interested in a lot of projects that merge Web 2 and Web 3, like uh, projects that kind of come over from Web 2 and they're building like strong solutions. Uh, the, the really the big key with in terms of projects uh, that we're looking to bring on is the quality of the projects, right? So we're going to vet these projects quite heavily. And, and, and this is part of like um, future, uh, looking at future potential solutions, looking to build out like another uh, suite of products that is linked to the pad to kind of give us more variety on, on the kind of projects we launch because we can't, um, as a pad, we can't launch every project that comes through, right? There, there may be some projects that are great, but they may not be up to the caliber that we need to launch on the pad. So it's kind of being able to provide these other options for these projects to launch on the Cosmos, but really just um, just high quality projects, really strong teams, uh, leadership, product, revenue models, et cetera, is kind of what we're going to be looking at. Okay. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, yeah, likewise, obviously, good to see you out there in Austin. That was amazing. Um, uh, I guess the other question is, I think that you obviously have access to, you know, Loop's uh, NFT marketplace. And I'm curious to know if that's potentially something that could be uh, utilized more with uh, pre-existing projects, um, perhaps even cross-chain, uh, especially. It just seems like there's so many um, different protocols and businesses that are being built that are just kind of left in uh, this ever-widening tech gap. And uh, so I'm wondering if there's something that you could offer uh, these pre-existing companies, um, you know, I'm really excited about, you know, more TradFi, RealFi stuff. So like Goldfinch and uh, Centrifuge, they're doing real world asset stuff. But just any other projects that would be able to utilize these DeFi NFTs or just like you, you the different uh, NFT types that we've been uh, seeing uh, Loop build and, and talk about. Yeah, well, definitely like existing projects. And, this, and Eclipse is an example, like just keeping on the Eclipse topic, like, um, it shows you that it can create some cool integrations in terms of like being able to integrate those into your protocol, right? Like it's almost like building a layer on top of it uh, where Eclipse is able to use these NFTs on Eclipse um, using the technology behind the scenes to create these, uh, you know, DeFi NFTs that improve, um, you know, some of the experience in the protocol and, and can potentially bring in revenue. So that is quite powerful. Uh, I think also another thing to touch on the NFT marketplace is going to be useful is Again, as we said, you know, we can't launch every single project on Eclipse. It's going to be quite limited on the projects that we launch and the caliber and, and stuff of projects we launch. But what it enables for is, uh, you know, having that partnership is that we can also send projects to Loop um, that want to launch uh, like an NFT, uh, like an NFT there and, and have tokens attached to it. So it's cool to have these, these multiple partnerships that we can like leverage on uh, to, to kind of help projects around the ecosystem kind of launch. Uh, the projects launching through Eclipse are going to, you know, it's going to be a big focus on marketing. Like it's kind of like building a really, really strong community uh, and making sure that those projects gain exposure. So that's going to be a key piece. Um, but there is, there is, uh, you know, behind the scenes, there's plans on the roadmap to build out like a more of a decentralized Kickstarter marketplace um, for projects to kind of self-fund and, and like to uh, self-raise um, as well. So we can kind of help other lots of projects launch too. So there's a lot, there's a lot there. There's a lot coming. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Um, I guess the last question is, uh, I, I wasn't there for the first part of the uh, the space, but I'm wondering, uh, what is the, like, the exact differences between um, Loop Ventures and Eclipse Pad? Because um, I'm still a little bit fuzzy on that. It, seem, it seems like uh, Loop Ventures perhaps more has more of like an in-depth, you know, desire to help start from the ground up. Um, 
But while you guys are more just there to facilitate the launching, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'd, I'd just like to hear more of the difference uh, differences there. Yeah, so we kind of took this in the in in the beginning around the accelerator. So uh, Loop Ventures, firstly, Loop Ventures is going quite cross chain, quite multi chain in general. Um, really working on like Polygon and other ecosystems as well as Cosmos, uh, and is more of a full scale incubator, taking projects from you know kind of the beginning all the way through. Whereas um, with Eclipsepad, the plan is to build more of an accelerator, which is taking kind of existing projects that are looking to launch. Uh, they might have built their tech or they're at least in kind of like a good stage with their tech and idea and then accelerating them and taking them to the next level of go, hey, there's a lot of potential here. How do we take you to the next level to help make you successful into it, all the way into the launch, right? Which is like, um, you know, taking, you know, potentially it's a team of developers that have built some really cool stuff, but they might not have, all the pieces they need to kind of gain the exposure and traction. So helping them with that come through and then, um, you know, launch very successfully on, on Eclipse pad, but also there's, it opens up these partnerships with loop ventures as well, which is we may get some projects that come through and maybe they're really busy with a lot of bigger projects on, on other ecosystems and they can help with the incubation stage at early stages and then go into the accelerator and then the launch pad. Right. So it opens up a lot of potential for that. Um, so that's kind of the differences uh, there. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's great. I, it's kind of opening up a lot more questions, but I'll, I'll give this floor up. Um, appreciate it, Simon. Thank you very much. Fantastic questions, big man. Really appreciate that. Um, I definitely learned a few more things at the end there also. Um, if anyone else has any quick questions, we've got another five minutes on the clock. Um, so do speak now or forever hold your peace. While that is potentially, now while we're waiting for someone to potentially jump up and ask a quick question, I've got a question just regarding the projects that launched with Lunar Launcher originally. So I remember talking with Maz and there were some really cool projects. Um, there was a, a solar project. There was a, like a hybrid, uh, what was it? It was an NFT minting factory. There were a few different projects that were really cool and unique. What Are they still going to be part of, like, do you have anything to do with them now? What, what happens with them in future? Still kind of talking to OneCast. The, the one thing is some of the projects are kind of still deciding, I think, where they want to go and, and everything like that. I think for, for Eclipse, the main focus is obviously on the Cosmos ecosystem, um, at least for, for, for a fair while. So it, it's just going to be really dependent on if those projects choose to come to Cosmos. It, it may be one or two of them that, that still decide to come to Cosmos. Uh, obviously, like, keep in mind, like, it's been a pretty shaky kind of, uh, a pretty shaky kind of uh, time for a lot of projects coming through. So. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% up to date on what's happening there. Um, there may be one of those projects come through, but um, potentially just going to be focused on, on like kind of the big Cosmos projects that are upcoming that are looking to launch, which I've been in chats with too. So um, I, I would love it if some of those did. I, I love those web, I love those web two to web three solutions that are like talking about bringing, uh, you know, kind of web three to web two, I mean, like really integrating that. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Fantastic. And so with the last few minutes here, I just want to check in. Is there anything that you wanted to relay today that I haven't asked and hasn't uh, that, that hasn't been yet mentioned? I think that's most of it. Honestly, like I could talk for hours and there's probably like a million layers that could be added to things, to be honest with you. Um, so it's kind of hard to figure out what haven't I talked about. But this is obviously a lot like um, it's going to be I think you're going to see it grow as a really cool um, community, I think we're, it's going to have this really NFT community feel, uh, which is kind of what we kind of want to achieve is to kind of have this family and this, this high engagement. So definitely stick around because it's going to be some really, really cool banter. There's going to be some really cool 
uh, kind of giveaways and some cool stuff happening behind the scenes. Uh, and it's going to be kind of like this in it, this community that, um, I mean, users can can be a part of, even if it's not just the protocol. It's, it's more than just the platform. Um, and that's going to be cool. The other piece, and one Nina's here, it's a cool thing to talk about. Um, obviously, uh, you know, being part of Loop and Loop Learn, it's going to enable us this really freaking cool uh, ability to tap projects into Loop Learn, right? So we can tap them into Loop Learn and then kind of leverage on that by um, bringing projects on, plugging them into Loop Learn, making videos for Loop Learn, and then that will kind of benefit those videos too, uh, those platforms too. So really cool stuff we can do with that. I'm excited to kind of play with that for sure. Mate, it sounds like the world is your oyster. I'm, um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how all of this unfolds. I'm sure that the future is very bright. And uh, for anyone that is listening that has not yet done so, go and follow uh, EclipsePad at EclipsePad on Twitter. And they've also got the Telegram group there, uh, which is just telegramt.me slash EclipsePad um, to keep up to date with any alpha that is being dropped in the near future. And of course, I'm sure as this space ten, uh, continues to grow, There'll be more links to Discord channels and all that sort of all that sort of stuff. We'll certainly be having more spaces with Simon and the guys at EclipsePad in future. I'm definitely going to be keeping our finger on the on the pulse here. Speaking of pulse, we've got uh, Pulsar Finance coming on. I think in the next two days, we've got a conversation happening with us, Pulsar Finance, and I believe Danku R is going to be on that too. So there'll be some flies coming out shortly uh, about that. Regarding I really like their video, right? I really like their video. They made a really sick uh, video for them. That was cool. Yes. yes, I think I think yeah. There's there's a lot of hype that's going to be coming around Pulsar. Pretty much as of now, I've seen some uh, stuff happening today actually. So their launch is it's done. I think they've just launched, and I think we're going to be yeah getting all the details over the next couple of days with Danku and uh, and Zion will be hosting that call. But in the meantime, everyone, look, I just encourage you get involved with the community. There's been throughout the course of this call, I've seen some really cool people on the call that all you know bring value and. So I just even recommend while you're on here, you know, click on different profiles, say hello to people, get to know each other. This is, you know, this is how communities are built um, from the ground up. And so, you know, shout out to Terra Spaces. I can see you're on here and I'm sure that you probably even recorded this because you're just a wizard at that. Um, so shout out to everyone who is helping build this space and keep it alive during these trying times. With that being said, Simon, it's always an absolute pleasure, mate. I really enjoy our conversations and I look forward to doing it again in the future. Pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for hosting this. Um, thank you for TerraSpace. Thank you to TerraSpace for being here and recording. And um, thank you for you guys for hosting this. Um, it's incredible and an amazing community good. So um, thank you. And thank you for everyone that jumped on and asked questions, everyone that's listening in and taking some time to learn about uh, the future of launching on the Cosmos. Love it. Take it easy, sir. And friends. <laughs> Farewell. Peace out. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Eclipse Pad AMA, hosted by Orbital Command, recorded on Wednesday, July 27th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay. Checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows. But then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo. I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back. Doing a little magical and rabbits out the rucksack not everybody's always in it for the money looking like another crooked sunday and i'm working monday so you know i ain't stressing left debate and great methods amazed to play inception the base stay blessed
less. See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties, the sums of money that go to the record label per playback can seem insultingly small. Many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent each time someone listens to one of their tracks, leaving only some portion of that for the actual artist. Can't even say they're making pennies, pennies per play. Until they can figure out how to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 pennies. Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Ah shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses. Now we're on the fence, like we forgot how to choose. That's what happens when people don't know what's true In the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile foaming at the mouth like a rabid dog Like a fake mate and call at the zoo It's looking like the view is getting disappointed too I'm working on the new shit, trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through when I'm making my music Terror Spaces.